0: Warning is clear. The Lord is raising a warning on the gospel of prosperity. The gospel that teaches the church how to live and prosper on this earth. Today, when you go to the churches, you'll find that the members of the church are valued, their estimation, the pastor estimates their value, their esteem based on their career their qualification, their PhD in surgery, in neurosurgery, their PhD in law, based on whether they are surgeons and doctors and lawyers, based on whether they are wealthy business people. That is how the pastors today evaluate their sheep. It is entrenched in the church, the culture of possessions and providence. Are we now talking? Are you starting to understand me well? when he said, remember Lord's wife, it was a serious warning. He knew that a generation would come that is totally entrenched in possession. Materialism. That is serious, right? And then, he talks about it here in Revelation chapter 3, and he goes on also, the book of Luke chapter 9, 62, as we begin to advance this conversation. Luke chapter 9, because I need to move a little faster. Luke chapter 9, blessed people. Very serious message, Litunda. Very serious. The Lord is now finally purifying the church, even the ministry of repentance and holiness. That people may do self-audit, not group, not WhatsApp group, not family groups, you and your husband and wife. It's good to do it together as a family. That's good. But then you go back to yourself. And you clean yourself out, sort yourself out. The Lord has given everybody a chance to enter. Hallelujah. The book of Luke chapter 9, we're reading in verse 62. And verse 62, it says the following. Luke chapter 9. I said, even in this ministry, there are people right now who are walking with us here, but they have already looked back. They are looking at possessions. They are looking at how much money can I make in this venture? How much money can I make where? Their hearts have totally turned back. That is the warning the Lord is saying. That's the warning is lifting before the church. And of course to all the other churches globally, wherever you are. It says, Jesus replied, No, no one puts a hand on the plow and looks back. No one who puts a hand, his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Do you understand when he said, remember Mrs. Lot? Do you now understand what he meant when he said, remember Lot's wife? Jesus himself said, nobody, when they are called by God to go and do work, called by the Lord, and put your hand on the plow, and start moving, and plow while looking back, he said, that work is virtually untenable. It's unachievable. That is what he meant that the present day church have come and as they are serving they are looking back. They have laid their hands on the plow and they have promised the Lord that I will do it. I'm going to do it. I'll do it. Will you do it? I will do it. Okay, go ahead and do it. And then all of a sudden have looked back. And he's laying a serious warning blessed people on looking back And he's saying, again, even verse 59, he still raises the same warning, the same Luke chapter 9. He said to another, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom. So this is serious. That What I've just read is very serious. When Jesus is telling somebody that has just lost their beloved father. Did you hear the word beloved? Whom they love. They have a funeral, Matanga Nyumbani. It is somebody to be sympathized with, right? If he tells you that, oh you see, sorry, oh whatever. But Jesus did not do that. He said, No, let the dead bury the dead. You go and announce the kingdom. Go and proclaim the kingdom that is coming. That was such a almost cruel, brutal answer, right? In terms of this present life. Now that is the gospel that Jesus gave when he preached to people that wanted to follow him, be his followers, be saved. But the present day church, this this message is serious. That is a very serious statement, scripture, because the present day church has taken that very gospel and changed it. Now it's about joy and just peaceful and just, oh, massaging and all this kind of thing. No wonder at the end he says, to tell you the truth, I do not know you. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Why? Because right from the inception, when they came, the expectation was different. They were not given this expectation that Jesus laid right from the onset. That nobody can follow me except that they hate their wife, hate their sons, hate their daughters, hate their children, hate their lives, hate their people. That nobody can follow me except that he goes back to Utawala and sell the house and give it out to the poor. And sell again the cattle, give it to the poor and come back and follow me. That is not the gospel the present day church is preaching. So people are coming with another expectation. The church has changed the gospel. The Lord Jesus, he gave some hard scriptures, some hard messages, some hard statements. But the present day church, because of prosperity and modernism, has changed it and smoothened it and added some caramel, some sweets, some sweet chocolates around it. Now when people come to salvation, they don't know the true expectations of Jesus. They have been given a lower expectation. They think it's a joyride. That's why at the end, Matthew chapter 7, 21, 23, he says, not everybody that calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, at the end he says, to tell you the truth, I don't know you. He's talking about the church. They're in the church. Why do you end up with them on that day at the gate of entry. Because they were not given the right gospel. The modern age transformed, changed the gospel to suit the modernism. If you read the scripture I've just read, it is almost harsh. He's saying, no. You have lost your father. You have not yet buried him. Let the dead bury the dead. you go going announce the kingdom. That is serious. And today they cannot say that. That's, oh, oh, come, come, I help you. Oh, you have lost somebody. Oh, whatever. Eh? No! In another scripture, when Jesus was talking about repentance, and the value of repentance, the gravity of repentance, somebody came who had the debt of the king. He switched off his phone for some time, and then finally they found him. When he appeared before the king, then he said, where's the money? I'll go look for it. And then the king forgave him. Then when he went out there, he did not forgive another. When the king called him, the king said, no, catch his wife, catch him, tie him. Go sell him in the slave market. Catch his wife, sell high in the market of slaves there. And then catch his daughters, also sell in the, in the human market there. And the sons. It sounds almost immoral. Oh yes. The gospel Jesus gave was changed. They are not preaching it today. And so people are coming with another expectation. They are thinking that salvation is a joyride. No wonder at the end Jesus wants, they are going to be disappointed. They are going to say, Lord! Lord, he said, no, to tell you the truth, I don't know you. How? Because they were not told that this gospel is a one-way traffic. You cannot walk and look back. You cannot hold the plow and look back. Hallelujah! Today the Lord is bringing to fatality the wealth of the earth in the church. Because very quickly they say, oh, let us introduce the doctor in this church. The lawyer, the, the the professor of law, oh, everybody, let's clap to the, you know, they they do this kind of thing. Hallelujah! And yet the Lord is saying that we ought now to be able to connect the church to glory, connect the church to the kingdom of God, that at the end of this sermon you'll now change the way you look at your Christian salvation. At the end of this sermon, you'll now value holiness differently. Put more premium on holiness, more premium on righteousness, on repentance, on the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. And so, serious stuff, blessed people. The book of Mark, read with me Mark chapter 4. In this jogging we are doing, a beautiful night here, the Lord speaking to the church clean and clear. Straight talk, right? The book of Mark chapter 4. I'm reading 18 and 19. Once you read with me, you get there, we read together. It says, Still others like seed sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness and the lies of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Look at that. When he said, remember Lord's wife. The one that because of the possessions, because of the wealth of the earth, look at this now. When she was moving towards the kingdom of heaven, she stopped disobeyed God and looked back. Ay, ay, ay. Watch a kuwake, Leo. Kuwake. Kuwake. He's saying that this is serious. It's a serious red flag. The Lord is laying before the church. Anybody and everybody called a Christian globally. It doesn't matter where we are now. Now, this is personal now. Personal audit. Ask yourself, are you entering? Or you're just saying, repent us, repent us, we're in repentance. This is serious. He's saying that the wealth, the deceitfulness of the wealth of this earth can choke, can choke your eternity with God in heaven and kill it, can kill your inheritance that you had with God. Can destroy your chances of entering heaven. That you are worried about the wealth of this earth. And then you stop and focus on it. This is serious. Remember Lord's wife. The worries about the wealth of this earth. She was forced to look. Oh, the Lord struck her right there. She became a monument. A monument of looking back. A monument of rebellion. A monument of revolt. A monument of disobedience. My Lord. This is serious. Very serious. She became a pillar. A tower. A monument. Of rebellion against God. And when I look at a certain generation of church... That is on the earth right now. I see it's characterized by rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. When you look at the way women dress in the church, the nudity they dress with is outright open rebellion against God. Open rebellion. Yes, why are you dressing at the No, I'm educated, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor. Open rebellion. Meaning they don't even care anymore what God will say. Open rebellion. And yet the Lord has raised a tower, a pillar, a monument that should remind the generation on the deadliness, the dangers of rebellion against God. That nobody has ever rebelled against the Lord and entered the kingdom of God. Nobody. Instead they entered Babylon, they entered Assyria, they entered many places. And look at the war in Israel now. Rebellion. Rejecting Jesus. Oi! Mazito, mazito, mazito. Litu yeah. wacha iwake leo. Wacha kuwake leo. This is serious uh, general overseer, right reverend Wanderer. Because a generation is literally characterized by rebellion. When you look at the young children, when they're just growing up, they're already rebellious. They say, "Mummy, I will call the police. If you beat me, I will call police. They're already rebellious when they're young. This is unbelievable. Already they're rebellious. If you don't buy the chocolate, he has already picked it from the shelf. He's opening it. He wants to eat it. Say, "Mummy, don't eat. We have not paid And he cries there. He's throwing himself on the soil. She's throwing herself on the soil because you have not not allowed him to eat or she to eat. They are young, but already very rebellious, my Lord. What type of people do they make when they grow up? Rebellion, rebellion, even in the church. Rebellion means they don't want to submit under the authority of God. And that's why they end up saying, me, I don't believe there is God. No, they believe, but they don't want to submit. They don't want anyone to control them. Hey! Did you understand when he said, remember Lord's wife? Are you beginning now to understand it well? Huh? This is serious, my son Timothy. This is now serious. When he said, remember Lord's wife, he said "March." I said the profundity, the depth of it is astounding. And I've not yet begun. Let's, we'd rather get started, right? This is pretty serious. This is big deal, right? Hallelujah. And he says that the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9, are we reading together? this is very serious Isaiah chapter 6 ay, 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 ay. Isaiah 6 you say JJ you say at least mention my name please for the sake of the ayah that they may know that at least you you recognized me so the book of Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9 he is almost going into a sackcloth and lying in his belly right? He so please don't do this to me. So, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. He says the following. He said, go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. What type of generation is this that we have today? They hear the word. They go to church on a daily basis. Sometimes morning glory before they enter work and evening glory. Or they go once a week. When you enter the church, you see that everything is arranged. The church has a signpost outside saying the hours of worship. When you look at the pews, they are just well arranged. The church has a cross on top. But when you enter in there, you hear them worshiping the way people worship. Their Bible, they read it, and the preaching goes on. And you think the church is going on normally. But he warns us in Second Timothy chapter three, verse five that having a form of religion, but lacking the power, lacking holiness, my lord. Oh, another religion. It becomes a totally another religion, worse than Buddhism, worse than Hinduism. If you can have the grace of Jesus without holiness, it becomes a totally another religion worse than Islam, worse than Buddhism, worse than Hinduism. Why? That's why today when you look at the Christians in the church, the ladies, they are dressing naked, but the Hindus and the Muslims are dressing holy. So it is worse than the idol worshippers. I. The church looks normal. It has a cross. The Bibles have been proved in the pews. They worship are right there. They are singing. But when you examine very carefully, these people, when they go back home, they are smoking, they are drinking alcohol. Sometimes, you find that after they have worshipped, when the announcement is taking place, they use another door in front of the altar. Outside, they are busy smoking. He's saying, Be ever hearing, but not understanding be ever seeing but never perceiving my Lord when he said, remember Lord's wife are we now beginning to walk together these are serious matters very serious Philippians chapter 3, 13 to 14 I really need to run because my time is really not on my side I, Philippians stand with me there, I don't have much time blessed people the book of Philippians chapter 3 13 and 14 says the following 13 and 14 he says once we get there we read it together brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind And straining forward towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Did you hear that word? Heavenward in Christ Jesus. Meaning to be heavenly focused, never looking back. to follow Jesus oh no turning back no turning back the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind oh no turning back no turning back there is no turning back He says, remember Lord's wife. Even the song says, no turning back. Why has this generation turned back? He said, I press forward, heavenward. Forgetting about what is behind me. Forget about your sins. God has forgiven you once you have repented genuinely. Continue moving forward. The devil will try to flash to you some of your weak moments. You move forward. That's what he's saying here. He's also saying that never should you remember what your life looked like, the wealth you had, and those things you had. Not at all. Pressing forward. Forgetting what is behind you the motto, the mantra of Christian salvation. Hallelujah. And he says that this generation, in the book of Luke 22, when you read it there, the message is unbelievable. He says, I have bought a field. I have bought oxen. I have just married. That is serious. I have bought oxen. Luke, the book of Matthew 22. Matthew 22, he says the following. That he has just bought oxen, the things of the world. Are we still together? I told you that the profundity, the depth of this message is astounding. That this is the message that really awakens you and begins to cause you to churn yourself, to sift yourself, sifting, removing chaff, and decide, resolute, I am following Jesus. And I'll follow him until I enter glory. And nothing will change my life in, in, in terms of make me look back. I'll just stick to the Lord. And this is very powerful, right? Because we are talking on the brink of eternity. At the juncture junction of eternity. Luke chapter 22, it says, verses 1 and 22, and uh, 1 and 14 rather. It says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven, where is he talking about? Heaven, the kingdom of heaven. This is serious. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. That is God the Father preparing for Jesus, right? His beloved son. I remember one time when the Lord was talking to me about Christ. He came to talk to me about Christ. Both of them were there. And then he says, When he finished the conversation, and then he finished by saying, The father loved the son very much. That is serious. Let us clap to the Lord. The father loved the son very much. That's why we serve the son. That's why we are sent ahead with a wheelbarrow and a spade to prepare for the king. That's why his glorious throne will be established before the kingdom of God at the end of it all. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why you are here, because he he died for you, he saved you people. You are born again. You are the fruit of his work, right? And so, very, very powerfully. And so, uh, he says here again, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent more servants to tell those who had been invited uh, that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. Look at that. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants and so on and so forth. Then he said, I cannot come, they said. Because they are busy, right? This is serious. I've just bought a field. I've just bought some oxen. I've just married a young wife. Matthew 24, right there. Verses 36 to 39. Let's see if we can plow the three scriptures. 36, 39. It says the following. But about that day, no one knows... Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So you know that every conversation I'm having, the Father is directing the conversation, right? Because only He knows the proximity of the day, right? But you can see from the happenings that surely the day is near, right? That day, oh, I will dance to the Lord. Oh, I hope it's not you I will tell, because you'll have gone, right? But those that remain, I will tell them, I told you, I told you my king was coming. And I've seen that day when I'm now leaving, darkness has covered the earth, there are some people who are trying to, out of just, and the Lord recently said, out of sheer nonsense, right? Trying to follow me, please, please help me. I was now going. Some people that just played around. Played around. You you know you cannot play around with this. You cannot, you cannot. Just played around. I see them running. I'm knocking my feet. Please, I, I... he like, said, help me please, uh, you know. But I was leaving. It was dark. I could not help the persons, right? It's amazing that the Lord can show me that. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the floods, people were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the floods came and swept them away. This is serious. The imminency of that day is highlighted right there. Verse 42, He says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. The imminency of that day that remember Lord's wife is raising. He's saying when that day comes, it will be Gafla bin Suddenly, suddenly, then you'll all of a sudden realize, wow so the prophets of the Lord were right but the evidence that they are right is everywhere, right really, really, what is the problem it's everywhere everybody should move from the bars and come and receive Christ, right the evidence that they they are right is everywhere should come from the brothels the beer bars, the discotheques and come and receive Christ, the evidence is very clear, right And so, he's saying the following. That the distractions by this world can choke the word and the eternity that God has set before you. Can strangle the word itself and also the eternity that God has set before you. And he's saying that Jesus raised a serious warning on being watchful. Hallelujah. On watchfulness. Watchful that the destruction of this world don't take away your eternity in the kingdom of God. I've just bought a field. I've just done this. I've just done that. And that judgment I'm going to cover in depth. That you may understand the judgment... That that scripture bespeaks when he says, "Remember Lord's wife," and then he says she was struck with the judgment of God, meaning that day of judgment is coming. I'm going to cover that, but let's just run through some of what we have seen until now. Remember Lord's wife. Jesus raises cautions to Christians using Lord's wife, right? And Jesus raises a red flag that Lord's wife should be a monument, as we have seen, salt, a pillar of salt, a monument on rebellion, the dangers of rebellion. Are we together? And the Lord Jesus is essentially speaking about his return. Are we still together? The return of the Christ. In that tremendous conversation, remember Lord's wife the Lord is essentially talking about his return and he's talking about the day of judgment that is coming. And the Lord is raising this very red warning, red flag and warning to the church that it will be deadly not to be found ready. So he's essentially warning the church that will not be ready on that day. Will not be found ready on that day. That is serious. It's raising a serious warning on readiness and the charge that will not be found ready on that day. The Lord is warning on lukewarm Christianity that there are Christians that will walk with you in the ministry of repentance. Holy altar, holy altar, we're in repentance and yet they were lukewarm. That would be a tragedy. The cloud has come. What is the problem? Right? Don't do that. Everything is here to facilitate your entry. Right? Really. You see now there are many nations. Taiwan is here. China is here. Malaysia is here. Macau is here. Uh, Ireland is here. They are longing for just one visitation of what you have to facilitate them. Facilitation. Facilitate their souls. Why would you take all this heavy investment by heaven and then fail to enter? So examine yourselves very carefully. Do you understand? And the Lord is saying that there are people that will talk eloquently about their salvation. That they are walking with you. Then at the end, you'll find that they were superficial. It was just for sure. They were not really transformed by the Lord. And their hearts were not regenerated. Let's talk about the regeneration of the heart here. This is serious. The Lord is saying that Lord's wife had the privilege of fellowshipping with angels. And they spoke to her on the message, the instruction. But still, she ended up in hell. Now look at this now. Everybody focus on me. At that time, The word was very rare. The word of God was located, localized upon certain specific people. Abraham, Lot received it through the angels. And a lot of people did not have the word of God. But this woman, she has, first of all, her lineage. If you look at Lot, he's a nephew of Abraham, a holy man. God-fearing man. And number two in that lineage she must have learned about the fear of God about the Lord Yahweh. Number, Because you see even the way the Lord endeavored in delivering them out her out. And the Lord is saying that while the word of God was rare for her she was ministered to by God himself the angels of God themselves from the throne of God my Lord. The word was rare. But for her, not only did she receive the word, but the angels themselves ministered to her and then also held her hands and pulled her out. And she still missed eternity. And the Lord is saying, look at this now, that if the present day church will also play, play Mrs. Lord, become like Lot's wife, and turn back, that if the present-day church will also fail to enter, then Lord's wife will raise a case against the present-day church. Why? Because Lord's wife did not have a Bible to read. Lord's wife did not see a cripple has walked. A cripple has walked. Jesus, cripple has walked. A cripple. Lord's wife did not see that. Lord's wife did not see heaven being commanded open. Lord's wife did not sit where somebody is preaching in a crusade and creepers walk in the healing service, my Lord. I that if the present day church will behave like Mrs. says Lord, and fail to enter, Lord's wife will raise a case against you for your fire to be increased. First of all, we have seen the advantages that Lot's wife had compared to the people of that time. The word of God was rare. It was located on specific people, Abraham. But we see that she had no excuse. She had a lineage with Abraham through the husband. And then she fellowship. Look at this now. She fellowshiped with the angels. She served them. She served them food. She sat down. They instructed her. They even pulled her out with her family. At a time when the word was scarce. How do you then justify the fact that she still did not enter heaven? And the Lord is saying that look at this danger now. That for you now, Jesus has come and lived in your heart. The Holy Spirit has come and entered your heart. And then the cloud of God has come and ministered to you. You have worshipped in Kisumu under the cloud. Kericho TTC, under the cloud. Kapkatet, under the cloud. Kisumu 2012 also, under the cloud. The cloud covered me at Central Park, so the cloud was there. You worshipped under the cloud there also. You have watched the creepers walk you have danced and celebrated the cripples walking. <laughs> you have danced and celebrated the blind eyes even today. I call it today because we are still in the night time. <laughs> today I, in encourage you celebrated blind eyes open. You have celebrated deaf ears open, the wonders, neutral stars. You have had prophecies given and they are fulfilled. The Lord is saying, What excuse will you ever have to be like Mrs. Lot? What excuse will this generation have to miss to enter heaven? Then Lot's wife will raise a serious case against you. Jesus is talking here about the judgment of God. The last judgment that will consume those who will be found not ready. And Jesus is raising a red flag that everybody that will be rebellious to the voice of God will be judged in the lake of fire. That everybody that will be rebellious to the voice of God will be judged in the lake of fire. Why? Because if you turn to the book of Luke chapter 16, it says the following Luke chapter 16, if you get a chance with me. In Luke 16 he says As we read on Maybe verse 24 Let me see which verse is uh, verses 19 on Verse 24 let me see whether it says it all. So he called out to him Father Abraham Have pity on me And send Lazarus To dip his finger in water And cool my tongue because I'm in agony In this place in this fire Look at this now He's crying for pity And if you look at the answer Abraham gives him, there is no pity in hell. His request was denied. There are no prayer requests from hell that are honored by God. Only now you can pray here and God will answer. Have pity on me. There is no pity on the people in hell.